0: Today, and uh, we have this is Young Communicators Weekend, and um, you know Tasha and I from the very beginning we have desired to have um, just kind of interns here at the church and kind of a good young adult ministry. And, and we're excited to be getting that off the ground. I'm gonna introduce some of these speakers to you in just a moment. But before I do that, I would uh, be incorrect a thousand times over if I didn't recognize two people here on the second row. Tasha's parents are with us. We never get to uh, worship with them. And uh, they are busy. They are busy leading their church. They have an incredible church in, up in towards St. Louis in Festus, Missouri. And uh, they were down this weekend. And uh, we told them Makai was preaching, and Mimi and Papa wanted to hear it. They, they think he's special or something, right? And, uh, but anyway, this is Randy and Joyce Gray, Tasha's parents. I know you did it once, but would you welcome them to Destiny Church? <laughs> And then one of our young communicators, she's got some family here, and uh, I'll introduce her in just a moment, but I want to introduce this this couple that I've known since the 90s. And uh, I'm dating myself a little bit, but back in the 90s, I did a revival just outside of Houston, Texas, and... uh, and then um, for, for this young girl's great grandfather, and then a little, a few days later, held a revival for her grandfather. She wasn't thought of or born yet in the 90s, but, um, but uh, this was her grandfather, and I would like to have Robert and Frieda Wilson. If you guys could just stand to your feet. They pastored at Assembly God Church in Texas for a lot of years. I love this family. And I think we were supposed to do like a Sunday morning or a Sunday night and we ended up going three months and uh, services in their church and God just walked in the room and blew the place up. And uh, But it is my honor to have you guys here and to have JC, um, a part of Destiny Church right now. She's at Evangelist. We love you guys so much. All right, so let's have these young communicators. If you guys will join me up here on the stage. And uh, most of them are young, one of them's not so young, I'll let you figure out which one is the not youngest one. (laughs) But uh, I want to have, I want to introduce these guys to you all today, and um, from the youngest to the oldest, we'll go this way, we'll start here, but no, this is John Davis, and uh, many of you know John, but John's on staff here. And John's kind of, uh, my, my family's a baseball family. We love baseball. And um, baseball, the best teams have the best utility players. They can play anywhere on the team. They can do anything you need them to do at the drop of a hat. John is our utility player. He can play every position on the field. And uh, I just, this year, I thought, man, I'm having these guys communicate. John's done this for a long time. I want him to communicate on a Sunday morning to moms and dads. He's like, I'd rather speak to teenagers, but we're putting him up here today, and you're going to hear from him, but um, this is John Davis, and then beside him, you guys know TK. This is uh, Tanashi Chingara from uh, from Zimbabwe. TK is kind of that, t- that uh, utility player as well, right? We've seen him just in on worship. You've played drums. You've played lead guitar. You've sang. you played bass. I think that you said bass was your favorite, but uh, TK is uh, from Zimbabwe, Pastor Dixon's son, Pastor Dixon and Chippo, who we do a lot of missions work with. TK has been with us since Easter. He leaves here in about three weeks. And, um, but hey, but don't worry. I'm going to come to you with a way that you can help bring him back, all right? And uh, we're working on that. And uh, we're going to bring him back and have him a part of the church and a part of America for a bit as he's building some things for Zimbabwe. So you'll hear from TK today. Beside him is Bailey. This is Bailey Wilder. Bailey is from Alabama. And uh, when Mackay was at uh, Church of the Highlands in Alabama, um, this was his boss at a fitness center. And they just built this incredible relationship. And uh, when Mackay came home, Bailey said, man, I want to come be a part of this church and part of your um, young adult program, an intern program. I want to learn. He feels the call of God on his life. And so this is Bailey. And if his mom and dad are watching, we are taking good care of Bailey. We love him. Well, everybody, this is Bailey Wilder. And then a minute ago, I introduced this young lady's uh, grandparents. This is J.C. Wilson. Her dad and I went to Evangel College together, and um, and uh, she's just an incredible young lady. We've loved having her at the church. She's been a part of our youth program, helping that. But no pressure, but your grandpa, when I talked to him, told me, he said, she's a better preacher than you are, all right? So... Um, <laughs> But, uh, but I, I believe you're going to do a good job, and we know that today. And uh, so this is J.C. She's a freshman at Evangel. We're honored to have her here. And last one is my son, Makai, and uh, you'll hear from him as well. Makai has a passion, a heart for God, and he's a part of our young adults and our intern program here. And so you're going to hear from all of them. They each have seven minutes, seven minutes only, and then their mic starts shocking them. All right? <laughs> So uh, Celeste is getting the seven minute countdown ready. So you got seven minutes and uh, I don't have, a, who's got the microphone? Oh, there it is. There's a the microphone. Bring me that microphone. I'm like about to turn this over and you're just gonna have to scream. <laughs> all right, hold on. I gotta give it to him because he can't, he can't start until it touches his hands, all right? So all right, seven minutes. We're talking about Philippians chapter four. They're going four to 13 today. Get your notes ready. It's going to be like you're going to be sh- hitting like a fire hydrant, all right? Seven minutes, a lot of verses. Here we go, Bailey. It's on you. Let's go.
1: What's up, guys? Good morning, Destiny Church. How you all doing today? Good, good. So my name is Bailey. As Pastor Chad said. I'm from Alabama. And I had the pleasure of not only going first, but kind of walking you through what we've already been going through as a church through Philippians. Uh, so my verse is going to be verse 4 and 5. So just a quick little refresher. Obviously, we know the book of Philippians is written by Paul. But where is Paul writing it from? Just so I make sure you have your attention. Prison. prison. Awesome. I was really hoping someone would say something right here. It says, like, hopefully there's no silence. Um, so exactly, prison. So it's kind of weird to think about what Paul's about to say, given the context that he's in prison. Because, like, right out the gate in verse 4, it says second. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So obviously he's telling the people of Philippi to rejoice, which it's kind of weird to think about given that he is in prison. So telling the people to be joyful isn't like, he's being intentional with it too. He's not just saying it once. He's saying rejoice. No, I say like rejoice. He's like making sure he hits that home. So he's not asking the people of Philippi to kind of like walk around with like, bright rainbows and sunshine, smile on their face, the kind of the way that we would think rejoice. Like our definition of rejoice is to show great joy or delight. He's not talking about taking joy and delight in things of the world. He's talking about taking joy and delight when you walk with God. Yeah. So that's kind of the different context of what he, he's putting his full faith and his full trust in God. So that's where his joy is coming from. And that's the kind of joy he's asking the people of Philippi to have. So he's, he understands, like, we're going to have trials. We're going to have anger and sadness in our life. And that's not what he's saying. Like, don't negate those feelings, but don't let your joy be so surface value. Now, I know that's kind of like a broad statement. You can say, like, Bailey, I trust God. Like, I just can't find his joy. Well, like, I want to paint y'all a picture. So, like, how many of y'all have a certain somebody in your life, whether it be, like, a spouse a sibling, a relative. I don't know what that person looks like to you, but like you trust them completely. You have, they have hundred percent of your trust. You, you see them and your day lights up just a little bit because you know that they've got your back. Like, you know that they're there for you through and through. Let me see like some hands on like how many people, exactly. We all have that kind of person. I know for me, those people in my life, I didn't just trust them like that. Like it wasn't just like the joy that I got from them wasn't like, all right, I know you. That's how it is. Like, No, it came from like the relationship that I have with them. Like I spent time getting to know these people. They showed their character to me through like communication we've had and things that we've done. And that's kind of the same thing with God. Like I think he wants us to have that relationship with him. That joy isn't just something that we get when we want it. That joy comes as a byproduct of getting to know him. And I think like nowadays as Christians, we're so quick to be like, like, where's the joy? Where's the joy? Where's the joy? Well, it's like, well, where's God in your life? You know, like- Do you have that relationship with God? Do you have that one-on-one connection with God? You know, like that joy isn't like a get. like joy is not something you get. Like, I'm a Christian, like I got baptized. Like, no, the joy is something that you get from walking with God. You walk with him and that joy kind of radiates off of you. So I think that kind of makes it a little bit easier to understand what Paul's saying in the next verse where he says, sorry. Now it's time for the, the quiet, you know? So yeah, what he says in verse five, he said, let your grace be shown to everyone the Lord is near. Paul's kind of shifting his focus to like the attitude that comes from that byproduct of joy. Like when you've got that light of God in you, when you've got that joy that like surpasses every understanding, you're gonna start carrying yourself a little bit different. You're not just gonna be like everybody else. It's a mindset of kind of like taking delight in your walk with God. Like things that used to bother you aren't gonna bother you as much anymore. Like things of the world, like, oh, I was stressed about this before. Like little things kind of start to fall off and that's gonna be a testimony to like what God's done in your life. Like with our relationship with God, the joy we receive from him, that should be a fruit that we bear for everyone to see. It's not just a joy for us. It's a joy that we can bring on to other people, you know? Like we're a light to those people. Like people look up to us as Christians and we've got to like show like the influence that God's had in our life. What's gonna make us different than everybody else, you know? Like, it's about kind of walking with God and letting that joy that he's got inside of you be a light to everybody else. So like, I think that that's the biggest thing that we as Christians do nowadays is we don't, we don't want a relationship with God. We want everything that comes with a relationship of God. We want a relationship with God on our terms. Like, oh, well, I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do that, but I still expect to be happy. I still expect to like not have any problems. So I think without that relationship with God, Things get like when things hit us and like we get shaken in our faith, it's so much easier to drop it. Like it's so much easier. And that's why you see a lot of like people my age deconstructing their faith and like not having that walk with God because like they expect it. Yeah. They expect like, oh, well, I raised up in the church, like I should be happy all the time. Like I shouldn't like, have all these things. And that's not what God's saying. God wants to know you, God wants a relationship with you. You don't just like become best friends with somebody like, all right, here's everything in my life. No, like, it's a process and he gets that, but you've got to meet him halfway. You've got to be wanting to do it. It's like draw near to God and draw near to you. James 4, 8, like he's going to meet you there. You just got to be willing to meet him. And that's, that's what it is. It's like, we've got to, we've got to, if you want that joy and you want to walk in the light of God, you've got to be willing to meet him there. So like my challenge to you, Destiny Church, is to really just receive that joy, grow that relationship with him, be a light to people in your life. Like Regardless if you thinking or not, people are looking to you guys. Like people look to me, people look to everybody back here. It's our job to kind of show them like what God's done in our life. So like, how are y'all doing that? How am I doing that? So just think about that this week. Um, but that's pretty much all I have to say. I appreciate you guys. I'm gonna pass it off to Makai now. <clears throat> Great job, Bailey. Hey, what is up,
2: Destiny Church? It has been a long time since I've been on this stage, and I am so excited to be back. Um, I believe that what I have for you is straight from God, and so if you guys will all tune your hearts and get ready, we're gonna move kind of quick. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, when I read this verse, the immediate thing my mind goes to is when Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. I mean, this this guy, if you look, he was just arrested for trying to spread the gospel. He's in under house arrest. He's awaiting trial, not knowing whether he's gonna be killed, tortured. Is the life gonna be ended early? He has no idea. If anybody could have experienced anxiety, it was Paul. But no, instead he says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, in any situation, it doesn't matter what you're going through. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, how many of you, if you're being honest, have ever dealt with anxiety? I mean, I know I have personally. We all have, almost every single person in this room has walked or will experience anxiety at some point in their life. Edmund J. Bourne actually says that anxiety disorders in the United States are the number one mental health problem the, um, among women, and then second, Um, to drug and alcohol abuse among men. And according to the National Institutes of Health, nearly one in three of all adolescents ages 13 to 18 will experience anxiety disorder. That's kids my age. And another study even shows that the U.S. is now the most anxious country in the world. And the craziest part is, is that even though other nations have way less than we do, they won't even experience one-fifth of the anxiety that the U.S. citizens do. So Makai, yeah, Paul says be anxious for nothing, but is is that is that even possible? I mean, we just looked at the stats of how prominent anxiety is. So is that is that even possible to be anxious for nothing in the world we live in? Mass shooting after a tragic mass shooting? Is it really possible to be anxious? For nothing. I mean, for my age group, we have a lot of problems like should I go to college? Um, if I do go to college, should I take out student loans? And then after college, um, what are these, am I going to get a job that's going to pay off these loans? Um, am I going to get married? And if I do get married, am I going to marry some psycho? Like, these are the questions that we have. Like, you guys don't understand. And then it's how am, how am I going to pay the bills? You know? I don't know about my job, or if you're a parent, maybe your kids are driving you crazy. Or your parents are starting to age. You're starting to get a little bit more stressed and more anxious. There's so much uncertainty in the world. So, is it possible to be anxious for nothing? Yes. I'm gonna say it again, yes, yes, it is actually possible to be anxious for nothing. It is possible not to deal with anxiety. It is possible to be free of that anxiety disorder you've had since you were young. It is possible to say anxiety, you have no hold on me anymore. And how is that possible? Jesus, Yahweh, and he is the prince of peace. So today I'm gonna give you three points and three ways that Jesus can help you combat your anxiety. I'm gonna do these quick. So number one, seek him in prayer. Philippians 4, verse six, be anxious for nothing but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The Passion Translation actually says it this way, be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faithful requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. I love what the psalmist actually say in Psalms 121, one through two, I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No, my strength comes from God who made heavens and earth and mountains. And notice what he says there. I look up to the mountains, hoping those mountains would provide my help and my hope. But no, he says, the answer is not in the mountains. The answer is in God. I have to look to God. And as we discussed earlier, Many of us experience the chaos of life. And what we tend to do is we focus on those mountains. We focus on those negatives instead of focusing on God. We focus on all that is wrong with the world. And when we do that, the enemy uh, pushes us more and more towards this cycle of panic. But what the psalmist says is, I don't look for the mountains for my help. I don't look to all that is wrong in this world for help. And to you, I say, your help isn't found in your marriage. Your help isn't found in your boss. Your help isn't found in your friends or your bank account. Your help is found in God. So don't meditate on the mess. Go to God. Number two, give him control. And this, this is the key to dealing with multiple issues in Christianity. You know, this is like one of our founding things is giving God control. We must let him take charge. Leave the things that concern you With God, let God do what he's beyond willing to do and leave it at his feet. Again, verses six says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And what he's saying in this is not only do we pray, not only do we ask for help, but once we've asked him for help, we leave it at his feet. We leave it at the cross. And point three, as I wrap up, give him your thoughts. One of the biggest things that we must quit doing is focusing on the what ifs. That's why we find ourselves getting anxious or allowing the negative thoughts to take over our minds. We must change the way we think. And Romans twelve two says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I'm challenging you. Change the things you focus on. Meditate on God. When you experience anxiety, turn to prayer. When you experience anxiety, give God control. And when you do this, verse seven says this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you guys so much.
3: Good morning, everyone. I'm JC, and I'm going to be speaking on verses eight and nine. So, so far, we've talked about finding joy in the Lord and finding peace in the Lord. And verses eight and nine really just go on to encourage us to fix our thoughts on the truth of God's word and to put into practice what we learn from his word. So verses eight and nine go on to say, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you so the beginning of this verse says, we must fix our thoughts on things that are true. And this essentially just means fixing our thoughts on heaven. And this requires discipline. Fixing our thoughts on heaven is not easy, especially in a world that we live in today, because we live in such a corrupt society. And this world likes to feed us so many lies. This world likes to tell us things like, you're not good enough, or you don't dress stylish enough, or you can't do that because you're not strong enough. But if we choose to fix our minds on heaven, We're not gonna believe those lies anymore because we know who our Savior is and we know that we're His children. And we know that His power lives through us and in that we can walk in His truth because we know that we are His children If we choose to fix our thoughts on heaven and not fix our thoughts on this earth, it's easier to begin walking in that truth. And it's easier to begin not believing those lies. When somebody comes up to you and tells you something that you know is not true, you can discern that immediately. And you can say, no, that's from this world. That's not from heaven. That is not from God. I'm not gonna allow myself to get caught up in that because I know that that's not truth so though our feet are here on earth, our minds should be on heaven. Though we are walking here on earth today, our minds should constantly be seeking the Lord and constantly be seeking heaven. In Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2, it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of this earth. So that's a challenging verse. That is a verse that is hard to read sometimes because it's so easy to begin thinking about things of this world and to just get so caught up in that that you just feel so weighed down and so buried down by all those lies that you're like, I can't go on. Like, I can't think about Jesus right now because how could I be going through this and Jesus still be walking with me? But the reality is that Jesus is always walking with us, even through trials, even through tribulations. The Bible says we will have trials, we will have tribulations, but that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't walking with us. And even though we go through trials, we should still be keeping our eyes on heaven because when our eyes are on heaven, it makes it so much easier to walk through those trials because we know Jesus is walking with us always. We are walking hand in hand with him through everything that we go through. So verse um, nine goes on to say, keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So verse nine is really saying we have to put into practice what we know from the Bible, but how can we put that into practice if we don't read our Bible, if we don't know what the truth says? Because the Bible is full of truth. The Bible is our source of truth in this world full of lies. And God has given us his word to use as a source of truth. And it's essentially to use as our guide to life. He tells us what to do to get through life in that word. But if we're not studying that word, and if we don't have that word hidden in our hearts, then how are we supposed to know how to get through those trials? So it is so crucial to stay in our word every day. In Psalms one verse two, it says, "'But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night.' We should be in our word every day. We should be praying every day because the Lord desires a relationship with us and there's no way to build a relationship with him if we don't get to know him. It's just like building a relationship with another person. How are you supposed to get to know that person if you don't talk to them, if you don't have conversations with them and if you don't like just you have to get to know them, and the Lord desires that too. He wants to get to know us, but He also wants us to get to know Him. He wants us to desire to read His Word, so that way we can get to know Him more and more each day. And that's why we should be meditating on our Word every day, because when we begin meditating on his word, it allows his spirit to work in and through us. And it allows us to still find joy in this life, even when we are going through trials. And when we find that joy in our lives, and if we have that truth hidden in our hearts, then that joy that's in our life is going to begin spreading to other people. And those pure and admirable thoughts that we have are gonna become pure and admirable actions. And we're gonna begin living out that truth every day. And even if you don't say the word Jesus to somebody your actions might just show them the love of jesus because if you are acting like jesus and if you are beginning to just live that truth out. People are gonna see that in you. They're gonna see something different about you and you're gonna shine that light through you to other people. And that's how we begin getting other people saved because we know that truth. And the more time we spend in his word, the easier it is to keep our minds focused on heaven and to encourage others to keep their minds focused on heaven too. Because we're not allowing those lies to live inside of us anymore because we know that we are a child of the one true king and we know that his truth is real truth. So I really just wanna challenge us all today to pick up our word daily, to fix our thoughts and our eyes upon him every day. Because if we do this, we're gonna have the strength of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we're gonna be able to tell the devil, no, I know that's a lie. I know that's not true. And I'm gonna stand in the Lord's truth. And I'm gonna continue walking with the Lord each and every day because I know that he is powerful.
4: One, two, three, testing. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. All right, we're just going to do a quick exercise. Everybody with your hands like this. We're going to count to three. And on three or four, we just clap, right? No popcorn. No. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Yeah, now you all awake. All right, I'm going to read from Philippians 4, 10 to 11. Are you guys ready? I'm going to need you all to talk back to me, please. Okay, so I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance, amen? So we're gonna break this down into three situations, okay? Are you ready? Are you writing notes? Okay, number one. Rejoice in the Lord. Somebody say rejoice. Turn to your neighbor and say rejoice. Now turn to the neighbor you ignored and say rejoice. Why should we rejoice? I'm gonna kind of piggyback on what Bailey said. Um, Actually, no, I'm not. Let's continue with the notes. (laughs) So my point number one for this number one is rejoicing in the Lord changes our perspective. Amen? Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? let me get in my time okay Paul rejoiced in the Lord despite his circumstances but he also rejoiced in the willingness of others to obey the Lord I mean we all know Paul was not in a position to rejoice if I was under house arrest where am I going to get my chicken from where am I going to get my cheeseburger with bacon from if I'm under house arrest you know what I'm saying in Zimbabwe there's not much uh, delivery but here you know it's kind of nice so, I want to ask you guys this question. How often do we rejoice when our brother or sister walks in obedience with the Lord? How often? Do you think about that sometimes? How often, or is it always about us? Do we rejoice that the Lord has blessed me? Or do we rejoice that, hey, that sister hasn't been coming to church for a minute? You're in church. Let's rejoice. Yeah? Think about that. Romans 12, verse 15 to 16. It says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in a harmony. With one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Now imagine y'all are not under house arrest, but Paul was under house arrest and he still rejoiced. And what does that do for us? What does that teach us today? It changes our perspective because it's no longer about us, it's about him. Wow, my time is going. Paul rejoiced in the fact that they understood that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you guys understand that? This is like basic Bible Sunday school. It's more blessed to give than to receive, all right? We're going to go to the next one. Number two, from what we're breaking down, Paul was content. Yeah? Not content that he was in prison. Let's, let's just get that out of the way, all right? But contentment is a byproduct of trust. Now I'm going to piggyback on what Bailey said. It's a relationship, Yeah, You don't just trust somebody, you don't just wake up and be like, ah, I trust you, man. It's a byproduct of trust of a relationship. Paul did, though, he did need the assistance, but he did not pride himself in the fact that the people came through for him, which is nice. It's nice for people to come through for you, right? But he learned to be content with what the Lord provided in all circumstances, meaning he trusted God's plan and not man's. Yeah? Imagine, imagine, you're coming out, you're doing, the Father has told me, go and preach out to the nations. Ah, I'm now arrested. Ah, what? That's God's plan though, yeah? Are you following me? Are you following me? This is going to be good. In our insufficiency, God is sufficient. Do you believe that? I'm like, yes, yes, yes. In our insufficiency, God is sufficient, amen? My struggle is nothing compared to the power of the Almighty God. We are not under house arrest. Whatever we're going through is nothing compared to the power of our God. Amen. Okay, I don't know about you, but my struggle is nothing compared to the power of my God. Yeah? Yeah? We continue. Second Corinthians twelve, nine to ten. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I go to the gym with this guy here and he kills me. <laughs> but when we lift it, we're lifting heavy weights to get stronger right? But the word says, "In my weakness, His strength." Mic drop right there, right? Because my time is running out. I talk a lot. Number three, did that, did that did that digest a little bit? Should we go through it so, or you guys understand what I'm talking about? Anyway, you guys, you guys are smart, so I, I believe in y'all. God's will. <laughs> Number three, God's will is always to prosper us. Amen. Okay, if you didn't know, God's will is always to prosper you, right? One thing that you should take home today, God's will is to prosper us. And I took this from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18, just bringing it back to what we're talking about. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Amen? Do you believe that? Does anyone believe that this morning? Even in prison, God's will prevailed through Paul. Confirm you guys know who Jesus is. Yeah? Do you know, you guys know that, right? We were considered the Gentiles and because of Paul's ministry, God's will prevail. So the fact that you and I know who we are in Christ Jesus means that God's will prevail through... They're not hearing what I'm saying, bro. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me read that again because I feel like someone needs to hear this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. We are not under house of rest. We might be anxious, but we shall not be anxious for nothing but through prayer. It says here, pray continually. That means it's not like, oh, Lord, bless my week, amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Pray continually, right? Oh, my time is going about. And give thanks in all circumstances. I don't know what you guys are going through, maybe you're going through whatever you're going through, but the Bible says we must give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus, amen. So I'm gonna leave you with that. I hope you all took notes. Thank you for having me.
5: (laughs) So I think all of you guys yielded an extra four minutes, so that means I get about an extra 15. No, I'm joking, I won't be long. I'm covering verse 12 and 13. Verse 12 starts, tells us, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Verse 11, TK talked about it in in it, it ends with that word content. And I think that's a struggle for Americans today. I think that's a struggle for the church today. And the problem with that is because we have allowed the world to identify what content is. But before I get into that, I want to skip ahead to, to 13. Because it says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It says, I can do all things through him because he strengthens me. But what I want us to get from that is, I think all too often we've decided that this says that I can do anything and everything because he gives me the strength to do whatever I want to do. And that's not the case. We've, we've taken that scripture and we've reversed it around and said, you know what? I want to go do this job because this is where I'm going to be content. And then you know what? A year and a half, two years in, we're like, I'm not content with this. So I wanna come over here and I'm gonna do this job for two years because God says I can do everything. But it's not true. And even more, and even deeper than just our jobs is too often we've gone, you know what? I'm okay with this woman in my life right now but I'm bored with her. So I'm gonna go find this woman. And we walk out on our families. What we have to understand about, I can do all things through him who strengthens me is he strengthens you and your calling. And he calls you to do things that aren't gonna be easy. He calls you to your careers. It might not be in ministry like many of these have in their futures. It might be in healthcare. It might be sitting behind a computer programming computers. It might be being an entrepreneur, making lots of money so you can support the church, so you can write bigger checks, I don't know. Pastor Chad told me to say that, I'm kidding. (laughs) It's going to give us the strength that we need To fulfill the calling that he's laid on your life You'll be capable of doing that hard work You'll be capable of fulfilling that calling You'll be able to do it all But you have to know who you are But you have to know whose you are You have to know who you're called to be And who you're called to worship and it's not defined by the world by the world. Back in verse 12, it says, I know the secret of facing plenty and hunger. I know the secret of abundance and need. But when I look across the church today, when we're in abundance, too often we're not given the credit where credit's deserved. We're like. Look what I did. We're confident, we're content in what we did. And then when we're in need, when we're hungry, God, you're not doing enough for me. Look what you're doing for this person. Look what you're doing for this family. What are you doing for me? Because we've lost the secret of contentment. And as I looked, and I'm like, hey, you know, he talks about this secret, but he didn't really spell it out in that specific verse. And I think we've all hit on it this morning. It's it's hidden within the scriptures. The verses that we've read today, the chapters that we've covered in Philippians, all throughout the Bible. Even if you, you go back to Philippians 3, verses one through three that's been several weeks ago it says whatever happens my dear brothers and sisters rejoice in the lord i never get tired of you telling these things i do it to safeguard your faith watch out for those dogs those people who do evil it continues on to say we rely on what jesus christ has done for us we put no confidence in human effort though we could though Paul could have. You see, we've got to discover that secret and what it is for us. Whether it's facing plenty or whether it's in hunger, we've got to realize that we can live in the abundance of what God has called us to be and that we can be content in that. And I get it, it's, it's hard. Contentment is hard. My, the last several years of my life, contentment has been difficult for my family. It's something that we chase every day. And and I'm gonna go over my time, just so you know. You know, in the end of 2019, in December, November and December, I lost my mom, I lost my sister, and I gained a daughter. And ever since then, contentment's been a struggle. Then COVID hit. Like, I'm like, hey, I was losing my mom, losing my sister, gaining a ch- gaining a child. Like, well, I go, we didn't plan for that, we were content. COVID hit, I'm like, hey, wasn't that enough? No, it wasn't. I get a call from my wife one day, hey, I was just riding in the car with my boss and she's moving to another one. I'm like, oh, that's sad. I know you really liked your boss. She's like, yeah, that's not it. They want me to take over the hospital. And I'm like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Why are you taking over a hospital? (laughs) There's smarter times to get promotions, people. I love you and I'm proud of you, but there's a better time for this. You forget we just got an extra kid. So I get it, contentment's hard. There's days I wake up and I'm not content. But what I found through all that Throughout all the noise. Sometimes I I couldn't drive in my car. I had to put worship music on so that I could focus on Him. Because if I focused on all the things that were causing me not to be content, couldn't do it. Because that's what He called me to do. He called my wife to do that. He called our family to to do that and every week sometimes it's a struggle but we get up and we focus on what's important and we focus on that word content and my niece is over there crying and it's hard for me not to cry with her sometimes I got five kids sometimes even you're not content on Sunday morning because you wake up and you come to church, and your wife comes with all five kids, and she says they've been awful, and I don't know which one I'm going to kill. after service is over, but I got to come up and I got to talk about being content and, and understanding what the world—that that the world's not what that is. So I just ask that you all bow your heads with me. And I think between all five of the speakers, somebody spoke something specific to each and every one of you this Sunday. But what is God speaking to you about contentment? Guys, it's a mess out there. And I just want to go back and I want you to think who. Has God called you to be? I don't have to tell you whom you are. That's easy. We're sitting in the church, not at McDonald's. You know whose you are. But what has God called you to be content in? What are you not surrendering to Him? What are you trying to operate in thinking that God gave you the strength to do? But it's so far outside of what you've been called to do because you're running. Don't remember which one said it, but one of them said, I think multiple of of us said, "It's, it's not always easy. I think the church is sometimes guilty of making it seem like this walk and this path is easy. Because when it comes right down to it, the simple message is Jesus can make it easy, but we allow the world to influence what those steps look like. Stop allowing the world to identify what content looks for you, what content looks like for your family. So in a moment of transparency amongst the body of believers, I'm the first to stand here in this altar and say, I struggle with contentment. If that's you, will you stand with me? I'm not content in my job. I'm not content with how I'm leading my family. I'm not content with what God has called me to be. Some of you know exactly what God has called you to be. And you're not content with that, so you try to ignore it. Now, if you would take the next steps, will you join me up front here if you're standing? I'm gonna ask our four other speakers to join you guys. I want to pray over each and every one of you. But I want you to know that in the struggle that God is right there by you. Jesus has his hand on you. It might not look like what you want it to look like. And it's so easy to go back and say, because this isn't what I think it looks like. It's not, not of God, but that's not the truth. So if you would bow your heads in prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. God, first and foremost for me, I just pray for you, please. pray it over me, I pray it over my wife, I pray it over my family, and I pray it over each and every single one of you that are in these altars with me this morning.